Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Well, good day to you. And this is our time together to explore canonic leadership and to look at self-care and how these things can work together so that we are not becoming a crabby pastor or a crabby leader or a crabby Christian. Any of those may apply. What happens to me frequently, though, is I get interested in a book or something that has captured my attention. And then I start thinking and processing. And it hits me that this could be useful and helpful information for someone. So that is the spirit in which I am bringing you this material today. I will say this, I will say this up front, that while this is about how women use influence or power, because I just did a whole thing on how Christ laid aside power, status, and rank in order to live into the mission that God the Father had for Jesus to do. I am also talking this time about power that is used to influence and how women manage that, handle that, and and make some creative suggestions along the way for that. So I think that this is useful information for the dudes as well as the women to help us all kind of understand the dynamic that can frequently happen. So the genesis of this podcast, actually, though, is that I was listening on Audible as I'm doing some stained glass. So like I'm multitasking, not when I'm running the glass grinder because I couldn't hear it then unless I had earbuds in, which I have done before. I digress. I was listening on Audible to Dr. Deborah Burks's book. It's called, it just came out, it's called Silent Invasion, the Untold Story of the Trump Administration COVID-19 and Preventing the Next Pandemic Before It's Too Late. I want to say up front, I... I do not want to get into a political debate about any of this. I picked up the book, or listen, I'm listening to the book, actually, because I was just interested in Deborah Burks in general and what she experienced as someone coming in from the outside and then being uh, head of this COVID-19 task force and just the dynamic. I was just curious. I'm I'm basically high-end nosy, I suppose. But what was interesting is as I am listening, she reminded me of the ways that women lead, you know, and it's we're about half the population, you know, so whether or not you are a female who is a senior pastor, or you're a male senior pastor, or there are many other ministry leaders in your group, there are a lot of women 
who serve in different kinds of leadership capacities. And we need to just kind of understand this interesting dynamic that that happens with women and how they use leadership. So I'm going to cite a couple of different sources here for you uh, along the way and try to make some links available as appropriate to you. So so I listened to Deborah Burks, though, retelling is especially fascinating and gripping about the early days of what happened and the process of how she tried to help make things happen because her interest is public health. She was a public health specialist. She recounts her background in AIDS and she was working in Africa, AIDS prevention. And that was another type of not a pandemic per se exactly, but it was endemic and and different kinds of things. And so she was working in that realm and hesitantly, but willingly stepped up and stepped into this role. So this is how she approaches going into a situation as kind of the new person on the ground, how she looked around and assessed her colleagues, how she strategized her presentations to her audience, how she understood who held power and authority and who didn't in light of what her task was. So I felt like this is is pretty applicable to ministry leaders, really. And and having the wisdom for how to navigate the influence that you do have and that you do hold, often because you hold the title of leader, pastor, or whichever kinds of title that you do hold. So regardless of what your thinking is about how the pandemic was handled, if you choose to listen or read this book, it's very fascinating how well Dr. Burks worked to assess how to accomplish her task in times when her voice was listened to and even when it wasn't, because that happens, it happens. And not that she was perfect at what she did, as she will readily admit, you know, you're always second guessing and reassessing, but her efforts were really remarkable in terms of how many, how women can function as effectively as possible. So I'm going to also then include some material from church consultant Susan Beaumont from an article called Five Ways Female Leaders Undermine Themselves, because we as females view power differently. And I'll get into that in a second, though. The other thing I'm going to be using is one of my favorite books that taught me to stop saying I'm sorry all the time. (laughs) It's called Civilized Assertiveness for Women, Communication with Backbone and Not Bite by Dr. Judith McClure. And yeah, because we say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry all the time. And it's a better thing for us to say, I apologize, especially when you're in professional circles. But I'm digressing again. So let's start with this scenario. And I think many female leaders have encountered this. So you're at a meeting where creative ideas, say, are being asked for, you're tossing around things, and and you share an idea, and it's actually a pretty good idea. And it just seems to fall flat, you know? Nobody comments, it's quiet for a second, and then somebody else offers something, and, you know, things roll on. A while passes, more ideas are even shared, and then a male colleague suggests the very same idea that you offered, and everyone jumps on board with it. And and so in those moments, because that's happened to me, you're just glad that the idea is going to roll things forward. 
and you don't look at the um, devaluation of yourself exactly in that moment, or you try to move beyond, you know, that to try to be that, you know, good girl or whatever it is. I've even had some close friends, good friends, talk to me about the phenomenon of how women's voices are not heard in exactly the same way as a male voice. You know, they told me this not long after I told them about a call to ministry and to preaching <laughs> and, and that those kinds of things, both the meeting scenario and your friend saying, well, people just don't listen to women's voices very well when you, that's what you're going to go do. Boy, that can make you crabby if you let it, right? So female leaders, regardless of where they are in your organization, definitely look at power and influence. And I'm talking about power as influence here, differently than men. And sometimes we do water down our own influence because of how we see power and influence. Hey, Margie Bryce here, and I have something free for you. If you are unsure of what your mindset is when it comes to self-care, if you know you should do self-care, but you're just not sure how to get that rolling, how to get started, I have a free ebook for you. And it is about radical self-care, and it will get you started thinking about it and has lots of helpful information. Actually, what it is more than anything else is a journal style kind of piece that will help you work through the process of self-evaluation so you get a sense of where you are with self-care. So to get this free ebook, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. And you can access it from there and it can help you get started on the self-care that you know you should be doing anyway and get you started maybe on taking some definitive action to ensure that you have the sustainability necessary to go the distance with God. So first, women see power as, as a negative, you know, what is that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And as a result, women need to become more aware of how they influence. And this is one thing that Dr. Burks does really well, if you read or listen to her book. She can come into a situation and just be very aware of how she needs to proceed. And she puts a lot of thought and strategy into that. And I, I was very felt very respectful to her because of that. So women seem to think that they don't need power and influence to accomplish their tasks. And that's kind of a fallacy that we are inclined to believe, not always, but we have the tendency. Power and influence, though, helps us get things done. Uh, Susan Beaumont, she's church consultant, in this article that I just cited above, she said, whether power is good or bad depends on the means we use to gain it, how we exercise it, and for what ends. So one thing that Dr. Burks did before walking into the White House was to do some research on her colleagues to understand her environment. She knew she had to work with these colleagues, and to do that, she needed authority 
and she had to speak in a way they understood and in ways that mattered to them. She had to help them hear her voice, help them hear her message. So do you see the parallels here that that I'm going for? For her to navigate because she was one of them, right? And you have that. You have that in any kind of church situation. You have some groups that you have a little bit more affinity with and others that that you have to be a little more creative. So Susan Beaumont says that women often try to influence and don't always understand that they need to accrue some credibility first. So for ministry leaders, especially those who are ordained, the words, take thou authority, are spoken over you in terms of kingdom purposes and missions. In in some cases, though, your role as pastor can carry that credibility unless you happen to be female and people just aren't on board with that. And that's another podcast. So your education might help carry some authority for you. Susan Beaumont urges women to be proactive to, you know, get whatever credentials that you can and I like to say that I feel like I'm a rather well-trained little monkey because I have just stuff that I've tried to do and learn and grow. And then along the way, I have some credentials and hopefully some credibility. Although I think I wish I was taller, you know, shorter people. It, that's a different thing. And that's a different podcast too. So sometimes it takes time to develop credibility people learn to trust you and that you are trustworthy over time. Now, Beaumont also says that women take resistance more personally than men do. Basically, you know, people just don't like change, especially in the ministry environment. And I've done work with churches who need to change and shift and get realigned with the mission and purposes that God has for them for this era, this challenging era. And people tend to feel a sense of safety and security in the sameness. I've said before that the sameness in churches, it's like a security blanket. It's like Linus with that blanket. And anxiety rises when people do not feel safe. That was kind of a key learning this past week in a conversation I had with someone. And there's always, always resistance to change. But frequently, women can take this a little more personally than our male counterparts seem to. So there's something to kind of keep in mind. A lot of times it ain't about us. A lot of times it is more about change and people dealing with change. But here are some good questions that Susan Beaumont offers for self-reflection. Do I have enough power and influence to act in the first place? I'm thinking Deborah Burke. Burks was assessing that for herself and her situation in the White House. Perhaps I chose an influence tactic like logical persuasion that wasn't right for the situation. And are others, other people, actively trying to undermine my authority? So those are some questions that Beaumont offers. Um, because resistance, I'll just tag on to this last one. Resistance is an invitation to reevaluate and, and adapt, as opposed to being concerned that others maybe don't like you, 
Dr. Burks encountered some of this. They didn't like the projections. They didn't like the numbers that she put forth, even though at the end of the day, they were exactly accurate because it produced a more, she produced a more dire situation, which became reality than some other people. So she encountered this and still navigated, intentionally, strategically navigated this. So Susan Beaumont then also says that women don't address when others attempt to influence is inappropriate. Here, here I'm just going to share with you the example that she, she offers, and let's see if that resonates with any of you, although it did with me. Okay, here it is. For some time, Laura has been aware of problematic behavior of her board chair. Harvey agrees with Laura in board meetings and in one-on-one exchanges, but behind the scenes, he gossips and complains to others about Laura's choices and ideas. Laura ignores Harvey's behavior in the hope that others will ignore him too. She doubles down on other influence tactics like emotional appeals to the people who listen to Harvey. In the end, Harvey's undermining efforts turn most of the board leaders against Laura. So this is one scenario that I think sometimes women can just ignore the bad behavior of others, thinking it might go away or in time it might shift. But just know this, that it's going to undermine your influence. In the case of Harvey, uh, I would suggest an initial conversation with Harvey, citing what you are hearing. Here's what I hear. Here's what I'm seeing. Go with you know, those realities. If that doesn't stop the behavior, bring another board member into the discussion with Harvey. And hopefully that helps. And then at that time, bring up the potential of bringing the discussion into the whole board, because you need everybody on the same page. You don't have to all agree. I mean, 80% agreement is phenomenal. Don't ever wait for 100, because that shit probably ain't happening. But 80% is amazing and enough to collaborate with. Finally, though, I want to end this podcast with some descriptors from the book, my one of my favorite books, Civilized Assertiveness for Women, Communication with Backbone and Not Bite, because I think I've been the biter before. (laughs) I don't mean... I'm the Krabby Pastor. This is a Krabby Pastor podcast. So, okay, you can reasonably assume that I might have bitten before. So I want to share with you, though, um, some communication styles. And I'm going to do passive and aggressive and contrast those with assertive so that you kind of get a a picture. And again, this is from that, the book, Civilized Assertiveness. So your communication style is passive if you go off in a huff to manipulate. If you sigh a lot, if you say that so-and-so is angry or you are angry and then you're smiling at the same time, that's body language. If you try to sit on both sides of the fence to avoid conflict. If you're afraid to take risks. If you show some stage fright when speaking in front of a group. If you clam up when you feel treated unfairly. Hmm. If you ask permission when it isn't necessary. 
you can always ask forgiveness, right? Later. <laughs> That's what I always, I like that. I have UG written next to this one, complains instead of taking action. So I probably, at the time I read the book anyway, I was living into that. Or buys approval by by appearing to be a selfless good sport. So those are passive things. I'm going to read for you now the aggressive list, all right? And so these are under the no-no camp, really, passive and aggressive, even passive-aggressive. So you put others down. You may respond too vigorously, making a negative impression, expresses ideas and opinions strongly, is often first and very competitive, doesn't ever think that you're right or wrong, you dominate and take over a group, you exhibit bossy, pushy behavior, you take charge, you're task-oriented, and gets important things done. That one is, you know, I guess I think that one is a little less collaborative than you really want to be. I know women frequently lead from a collaborative place. You move into other people's space and overpower them and you jump on others. I don't think that means literally and push them around. That's maybe in a meeting setting. That's what you might do. So those are kind of passive or aggressive. That's not where we want to go. Here's where we want to go to assertive. If you are an assertive influencer, and this is your communication style, you operate from choice, you know what is needed and develop a plan to get it, you're action-oriented, you demonstrate a firmness, you are initially trusting of other people's motives, you assume responsibility for yourself, you have realistic expectations. You emphasize the positive nature of self and others, acknowledging the positive contribution of others. You deal with others fairly and justly. You behave with consistency. They know what to expect from you, and, and you are consistent with that behavior. You take proactive positions as opposed to just reactive positions. There's a difference between being proactive towards a goal and just reactive. You want to be on the proactive train. And the last one, you take appropriate action toward filling needs and wants without denying the rights of others. So I'm probably going to create a PDF of this as well. So you can just kind of mull this over because it's a lot of information. And maybe you're walking the dog as you're doing this or riding a bike or something. And and you need to get a visual on what I'm talking about. So those things would be put in the show notes. So at the end of the day here, and this is the self-care component, women need to be very self-aware of how they are influencing and how they are leading. And hopefully the gentlemen of the listenership here stayed with us to kind of understand, because I think this passive aggressive and assertive thing here is, is good for all of us to know and understand. So this is Margie Bryce, host of the Krabby Pastor podcast. 
Have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.